what is bad about being the founder, ED, and board chair at the same time? Ooh. I hear this and I don't understand it. Doesn't it just make things easier for everyone? Are there any positives to this structure? Okay, so I'm going to be really snarky here. But yeah, if if you are a control freak who wants all the power, then yes, <laughs> there is a lot of positives to do being all three, right? Yeah. I mean, I and I'm sorry to be like petty about it, but like that's why... That's a difference between like a nonprofit structure and a for-profit structure. Like you look at just the idea of a public charity, like you are governed by the public. Mm-hmm. You are more than one person, right? And my guess is if you really care about a cause or a mission enough that you founded the organization, you want more people around to like help champion that because Mm -hmm. that's going to just help with everything from more money to more growth to more impact and all that stuff. So, so I mean, anyway, I, yeah, I I think the trifecta idea is not sustainable. It's not best practice. And at the end of the day, it puts way too much control and influence in one person's hands. Yep. I agree. And I just want to point out, like we've got three titles here, founder, ED and board chair. Founder isn't a thing. No. So, so it's cool that you came up with an idea and you created an organization about it. Awesome. Pat yourself on the back. Um, giving yourself the title founder, and I know, you know, I'm going to insult a bunch of people that have done this, but giving yourself the title of founder is just self-congratulatory. Yes. So you can be two of those things. You can be founder and ED, or you can be founder and board chair. You can't be ED and board chair. That's no. just not, it's just not ethically right because you're basically your own boss. And if right. you're your own boss, you need a for-profit. You can't be in a nonprofit. And here's the thing. I know some of our listeners probably are going, yikes, it was, I started my nonprofit and I was the ED and I was the board chair. And that happens when you first start out. It's not like try to get away from that as soon as humanly possible for the reasons you just said. Yeah. And you can't grow that way. No. Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit, with your host, Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Nonprofit Everything. Um, I've got my pal Stacy Wedding here. We're going to answer a bunch of awesome questions that you've sent in. This, as you know, is a production of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. And as we have to do every once in a while, we're going to pitch in membership. So if you're the best way to support the podcast, there are a couple of really good ways to support the podcast. One of them is to become an AND member. So go to the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits webpage. You can get there by typing that into a browser or pretty much anywhere else. Go to Nonprofit Everything. There's always a link on every episode um, to how to get back to to Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. Um, that's one of the fantastic ways to support us because Anne is the the organization that makes this possible. Um, other good ways to support the podcast is to send us a question. We love questions. Um, in case you're wondering, we occasionally get questions and then We'll answer other random questions or start to answer other random questions and then throw in, you know, somebody needs to send us that. Um, you need to send us yes, that because, because we will not answer a question if you haven't sent it in. Exactly. Um, we like the big, gnarly, juicy ones. Uh, we recently answered one that was, I think, a whole page long. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a really good conversation. But we also like the really quick, short ones, too. So send us whatever you've got. Stacey and I love to hear from you. And uh, we're excited about this episode. 
Today's episode is sponsored by the HR Collaborative, presenting mission-driven human resources for nonprofits, a 12-hour training course for HR professionals working in nonprofits. This course is presented over four months, one half day a month, and focuses on critical people issues that will help your organization achieve success and fulfill its mission. Sessions begin on Tuesday, February 18th. And the cool thing is that you can just pick and choose the sessions you want. Each session is $300 or $1,000 for the whole four session series. But there's an early bird special through February 1st, just $900. Find it by searching for HR Collaborative on Eventbrite or better yet, check out the nonprofit Everything Show Notes for a direct link. Okay, Stacey, when is it worth it to pay for something rather than getting it pro bono? I'm on the board, and for years we've been getting professional services help from a volunteer, but honestly, it's just not very good. I don't want to hurt the volunteer's feelings, and to make matters worse, several of the board members seem to think free is more important than quality. Uh, yeah, common, right? Yeah. We see that. And especially, I'm going to assume that your organization may be smaller and smaller organizations, especially startups and, and newer organizations tend to really grasp on to everything. What can we get? Everything for free, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything you need, can we get it for free? And God, the, the the waste of time to just get, you know, to find the the service or get the product donated is crazy at the end of the day when you do an ROI on it. But, right. you know, I, so I think there's a couple of things like nuances with this to think about. So there are some things that I believe are okay if they are good and not great. And you have to figure out what those are in your organization. So sort of that whole idea of not everything needs to be done at a hundred percent level. Some things it's okay. If it's done at a 70% level, it's still good. And you're willing to accept that because you have limited resources or capacity. So what are those things? And if this is one of those things, you may say, and, and it's just hard to not, because I don't know what professional service we're talking here, right? right? This could be really, this could be tough. Like, I, so I'm going to use a real life I guess example. It depends on what it is, it right? It depends. If this is so, your accounting, so don't, I, no, don't, don't do that. And I had years ago someone who reached out to say they had a volunteer grant writer, but that it was awful. And they spent more time trying to like undo all the wrong that was done. And what, what a shame. It's a, potential loss of money, you know, loss of money. It's a potential, um, it's just it, the, the waste of time is crazy. So I think it kind of depends on what that is. Yeah. Right. And I also think it's, uh, for me, what is, what is the, the t- I say quality is the limits test, but I think that depends a lot on, again, that caveat of what we just said. Right. So for me, it's how important is the quality of this? And you have to figure out as an organization, like, are we okay if we're looking for someone to do handwritten thank you notes and the handwriting isn't great. Okay. Maybe we're okay with that. And I'm sure that's not the professional service, right? Versus someone who's going to help us with our financials or our grants or whatever, something that's a lot has, you know, a lot more implications. Yeah. I, 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 I'm having trouble agreeing with you hundred percent on that. Okay. And I, so I think because someone's written in and asked us this question, it feels to me that it's something that's important. And just because it's, um, it's probably not accounting. It's probably not legal. I'm going to guess it's marketing or PR or web design. Mm-hmm. Just, that's just my, this is my sense. So if okay. this was your question and we're getting it wrong, email us back yes. and tell us that we got it wrong and we'll answer the correct question. But I'm, my guess is going to be marketing or PR or web design or something like that. Um, and because it feels like, you know, 
some of the board members think that you don't want to pay for something and you think that the quality as another board member, you think the quality is so low that it's holding your organization back. Mm -hmm. So that's a perfect kind of conversation to have in a board meeting Mm -hmm. or to have with other board members over cocktails someplace Mm -hmm. or coffee to talk about here's, here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking is holding us back and here's why. And, and open it up and have a sort of a robust conversation about what it is that you don't like about it and how you think it can be better. And just like anything in life, walk in with some solutions. If you don't, if you don't know what you think the solution is, if you're just going to be like, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like nothing's ever going to happen. And, and have, and getting more board members on board with your, your, your new vision and saying, this is why, this is where we are now. This is what needs to happen to get us to the next level. And it's going to be worth this amount of money to have some professional help with this thing. And, and let's figure out how we're going to fundraise for it, or let's figure out how we're going to take money away from something else to get it done. And I think it's great for a board member. I, I think it's great to sometimes relate to board members, their own personal experiences. So if you have board members who may be their own business owners, I mean, it's easy to say, would you accept something that was poor quality just Mm -hmm. because it was free, right? So bringing it back to them, because I think sometimes people get this nonprofit cloud brain when it comes to this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so how do we bring it back to their reality and then remind them, this is just as important. Um, We are a nonprofit corporation. We we do have business principles. And guess what? The lack of quality of this is impacting our ability to further our mission and serve the people we serve. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what's happening yeah. in some to some degree, yeah. not knowing so, what this is. I mean, and we're just completely off the topic. But if you roll it back one, for exactly what you just said, if you roll it back one layer, all a nonprofit is, is a business whose business model is based on asking people for money. Yes. In exchange for something that you do, right? It's not, they're not getting something in exchange. They're not like you're not handing them stuff back. Right. But you're doing something and people find that of value and so that they're giving you money for it. So if, if the value that you're not, if you're not providing enough value to make the money that you need to provide a quality service, to do whatever you need to do, if they're, you know, figure out what the business problem is right. and then try to solve the business problem. If it's, if it's your mission just isn't strong enough to support like, so say what you're doing is so niche that there's just not enough people that are interested in helping solve that problem, that your website is awful. Yeah. And you feel like, you know, we need to, the website needs to be better so that we can get more people in, interested in our cause. Like, you really have to take a step back as a board member and decide, okay, is our cause important enough to be able to hire somebody to make a to better invest. website, right? Is, so what is, it's a chicken, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, but it's also, you know, you got to focus on the egg sometimes yes, and say yes. like, is this, is this important enough to continue to spend money on? And that's where, you know, board members, they, you know, however you got on the board, either you got bullied to be on the board mm-hmm. or, or you're passionate about the cause, but figure out, are other people passionate about the cause and figure out a way to raise money to be able to support this so that your other board members don't feel like this is this, um, tug of war to try to figure out where are we going to spend our resources? Like is the website, it's going to always have to be awful because no one cares and we can't raise any more money. Uh, you're, you're, it's a completely different question that you're answering. So what do you think? Because I am going to guess the person who wrote this also came from a vantage point of thinking, okay, uh, not only is it what should we pay for rather than getting pro bono, but how do we go about now removing this volunteer, right? That's the natural next question. So let's say 
they, yeah. they decide. So, so how would you handle that? So you've got a volunteer that's been doing this for years. I think it depends, right? It depends on whether or not I'm relieved someone is going to actually take this responsibility away from me, or I think I've been doing such an amazing job. <laughs> so when, so when yeah. the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits comes and says, hey, Andy, we've decided that we're going to bring in Dan Pilata to work with Stacy on the podcast. Yeah. You are probably <laughs> jumping for joy. <laughs> no, I would bet my feelings. Oh, here, okay. No, so. <laughs> but, but there, you know, so it, I think, I think it really depends on, on that, that specific situation. And you would go, you know, if it's, if it's somebody relieved to have that responsibility taken off of them, I'm sure that's a great thing. Oh, but if it's great. somebody who feels like, you know, they've designed the most amazing website in the whole world and it looks great and they're super proud of it. Um, but I don't know that that's, that's going to be the case 100% of the time. I think it will be interesting to hear another, maybe someone who is an expert with volunteers, how you handle these these sort of touchy, touchy matters that can come with volunteers as well. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's a final opportunity here for the person who wrote this. Okay, so you've learned a lot, right? Maybe you jumped in, you know, headfirst into this. Great. You're going to offer us pro bono services. Great. We need you perpetually for the rest of eternity of this organization. Maybe there's an opportunity to think about how you deal with volunteers in the future so you can have a little bit of a testing out testing ground period. So what I would probably do, knowing what I know now, if I were this person who wrote this question, now this doesn't help with the existing situation, but let's talk about how you can take this and learn. What I would do is in the future, if I got someone who volunteered some sort of expertise, I'd say, great, can we have you try out this one like time limited project, right? Like this one concrete, minute task that we know Honestly, if they screw it up, it's not the end of the world, but we can kind of have a testing ground Mm -hmm. to get a sense so that, and we don't tell them there's, there's a whole series of things that we need for the rest of, you know, for the rest of the year. We say, Hey, there's this one little project. We know it's probably just super tiny for you, but, but would you mind trying this out? And then you kind of, then you kind of do it a little more piecemeal, which, which over time, once you know the person's got good quality, you can change that. But I think at the beginning, to sort of, so you're not hurting feelings and not making someone a promise that they get to be your volunteer superstar for the rest of, you know, all, you know, eternity, like you, you sort of just say, hey, why don't you try this? And then you kind of analyze internally. All right, were they a pain to work with? Was this, maybe they did a great quality product, but they were difficult and they wouldn't take feedback, whatever that is. Right. Yeah figuring that out sooner rather than later. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm excited. We've got our guest expert, Stacy Muse. Stacy Muse is the executive director of Nevada Volunteers. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you, Andy. So why don't you start out before we dig into the question? Could you start out by telling us a, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Nevada Volunteers? Sure. So um, I, as you said, I'm the executive director of Nevada Volunteers. I've been in this role for about almost two years. And prior to that, I was working at the University of Nevada, Reno, leading their Office of Service Learning and Civic Engagement. And my um, education and experience has kind of lived in the nonprofit world meets higher education. So I have a master's degree in nonprofit management and a PhD in higher education, uh, where I specifically focused on community university partnerships. Oh. Um, 
and exploring, you know, how do we define impact, all those fun things. And uh-huh. uh, Nevada Volunteers is the Governor's Commission on Service. We are organized as a nonprofit, so we're a little bit different than other state commissions. Most other state commissions are housed within um, state government. We're one of, I think, five that are a nonprofit. And um, what we do is we are the grant-making entity for AmeriCorps State. And the other piece of what we do is really thinking about and working towards building and strengthening the volunteer engagement infrastructure within the state. So um, on the AmeriCorps side of things, we grant out about 3 million federal dollars to run these AmeriCorps programs, which results, I think, in this upcoming grant year will be close to like 500 members serving in communities across the state. Um, And then with our volunteer engagement, we in the last year have launched a website called nvvolunteerconnect.org, which is essentially a volunteer guide for um, Nevada. So if you're looking for a volunteer opportunity, you can log on, put in your zip code, put in what causes you're interested in, and it'll spit out, you know, here are the opportunities for you. Um, We are still putting in organizations, so constantly building that, um, but that's a one fun thing that we do in addition to um, some recognition things. We have the Governor's Points of Light Awards annually where we're recognizing outstanding volunteerism and service to the state. And then we're also, we're in a bit of a transition in understanding and figuring out what what are other initiatives that might be useful and responsive to the needs of Nevada and Nevada nonprofits. That's great. So, so for our listeners that may not know what AmeriCorps is, can you? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, quick, <laughs> and we're, we'll eventually get to the actual question, but this is, <laughs> this is how we yeah. do it. We just ask what we ask, right? Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And um, AmeriCorps is always kind of like, I, I, I feel like when I talk about it, um, the easiest, if you've never heard of AmeriCorps or national service, the easiest analog is Peace Corps. Most people have heard of Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. So it's like Peace Corps, but domestic. So um National service as a whole um, can look like a lot of different things. I think people are most familiar with VISTAs and they, those individuals that are in a VISTA role, they are working on building the capacity for an organization. Uh, AmeriCorps State, which was what we're responsible for, those members are in, involved in direct service. Um, so that's the main difference. There are a bunch of other streams of national service, senior core and triple C. I won't get into the whole thing because I think um, for the purposes of a podcast, you almost need like a visual to go along with it, <laughs> along with the map. Right. But um, of, of who's doing what and what it all means. But the other thing I think that's important to note is that uh, almost anyone can be an AmeriCorps member and you're serving for a term doing in a for AmeriCorps state, serving in a direct service role. So you're mentoring kids, you're um, building trails. It's It can be so many different things, but direct service and benefiting your community. And then when you're done with your term of service, you actually get an education award that can go towards paying down student loans, which we all know is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and or pursuing higher education. So if that's an undergrad degree, if it's an advanced degree, um, so it's a great opportunity for people to uh, become engaged with their communities and also get kind of, you know, a little bit in return. You get paid, of course, as a member, a member, but it's not very much. And mm-hmm. so the real um, 
the real benefit is becoming engaged in your community, of course, but mm-hmm. you also get this nice little ad award that, um, that helps with higher education. That's great. I know I've, I've had the opportunity to work with some, some AmeriCorps Vistas and they're fantastic people. And yeah. when we had, we, you know, we always tried to give them really interesting roles and have them do exciting things. And we are always disappointed when they had to leave yeah. <laughs> their term. I know, I know it's a bummer. Um, but yeah, we have so many great members across the state. Some have served multiple terms. A lot of them have gone on to, especially here in Nevada, have gone on to um, create and establish their own nonprofits. And so it's a really cool pipeline of sorts for civic engagement. And that can look a lot of different ways. But I think in terms of um, building the nonprofit sector, specifically, it's been um, it's been a great benefit to the state. That's fantastic. We'll transition over to the question then. So this is one that when, when the question came in, we kind of half answered it and then realized we needed help. So, <laughs> so we brought you in for a little bit more of assistance on this one. So the question was, when is it worth it to pay for something rather than getting it pro bono? So I'm on the board and for years we've been getting professional services help from a volunteer, but honestly, it's just not very good. I don't want to hurt the volunteer's feelings and to make matters worse, several of the board members seem to think free is more important mm. than quality. Yeah, this is a great question. And I think one that is very familiar to nonprofit leaders, those involved in the nonprofit sector. And I see a couple different layers to this question. Um, One being, you know, determining and addressing organizational need and another volunteer management of how do we say no to a volunteer? How do we ensure volunteer projects meet our standards, things like that? There's probably also like a sneaky third one of like the overall deficit mentality um, (laughs) that happens so often in nonprofits. Um, So, but let me start with the first one. So when is it worth it to pay for something rather than getting it pro bono? Um, I think it's important to first understand the organizational need and what it will take to uh, address that need sufficiently. So, you know, it's, it's easy to recognize that, for example, my organization maybe could use help with, with graphic design, but to what extent is it, I just need someone to do this really quick project, uh, design this booklet for this one event, or is it something more long-term that, yeah, everything needs an overhaul or we need someone to continually be doing this type of work. Um, Or perhaps maybe the need is more of we need to build the capacity of our staff so we can do graphic design things in-house. Of course, that requires a willingness and an opportunity within your current staffing. But, you know, for example, if one of my team members has expressed an interest in the graphic design thing, um, and he stated, like, this is a need. I need help with this. And also, I'm kind of interested in learning more about this. Of course, we don't have it in our budget to send him back to school, nor do I think he would want to go back to school for a degree in graphic design. But perhaps there are certain trainings that he might be able to engage in that to help build his capacity to meet the need. Mm-hmm. Um So it's kind of like that figuring out what the landscape is. Mm -hmm. So starting out perhaps with writing out, you know, what is the scope of work? Again, is it long-term? Is it short-term? And then from there, creating a job description, I think is really helpful. We do this all the time for our paid positions. We would never just hire someone 
because, you know, with the like, well, I think I want you to work on this or I know right. I need graphic design help. Um, <laughs> we write out the job description that has here are the things you're accountable for. Maybe here are the key performance indicators. Um, and I think there's a real opportunity to do that with our volunteer positions. Um, and I think once you have that scope of work defined, you're then in a better position to determine what strategy, you know, do we need to do a whole job description and have a whole separate position for this? Of course, consulting with your budget, <laughs> because we all have those constraints. Um, and is, you know, do you have the money if this is like a really long term position? Do you have the money to pay someone to do it and to pay someone what they should get paid? Because I think we're also kind of notorious in the nonprofit sector <laughs> to yeah. pay people peanuts to do um, wonderful, amazing work. But um, so, so I think there's an opportunity there that it could be a paid position. It could be a volunteer position. But the key is really getting clear on what is it that you need and what is it that you want a person to do, whether you're paying them or not. Um, so this kind of folds into the other part of the question, I think, in terms of, you know, volunteer management. And I think it's really easy to get into mentality, a mentality of, well, this person's doing something nice for me, so I can't say no, I can't correct them, I can't redirect them, mm -hmm. I have to just take their work even if it's crappy work. <laughs> um, and, and I totally get it, but any corrective conversation or um, something like that can be really uncomfortable. I think that's uncomfortable with, I find it to be uncomfortable with, you know, my employees as well as volunteers. Um, so I, I think though to help, again, kind of mitigate some of this ahead of time is you have that job description how else can you build some infrastructure around how your volunteers are managed? Um, so, you know, with my employees, we do regular check-ins, we do evaluations, we do this with our paid staff. And again, I think we can be doing this with our volunteers. And in the same way with our staff, we, you know, I personally, I see those conversations and those check-ins keep a project on track. Um, the person feels more engaged. Do they feel more ownership? I think you see the same results then with a volunteer. Of course, with the, the challenge being a volunteer may also have another full-time job. Um, but again, I think getting really clear on for this, this position or this project, someone needs to be able to commit X amount of hours. Um, and being really upfront with what you need as an organization, I think, and granted, I'm talking about like a proactive um, thing versus like you already have this part, these things in place. Right, right, <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> of course, I think there, there could be an opportunity in there for the person. I don't know the specifics of the, the organization um, from the person who submitted the question, but, you know, I think they could they could start with doing some groundwork to define the scope and the job description of that position. If it is a position versus just a project mm -hmm. um, and then review it with a volunteer. And I think it's totally fine to say, Hey, we're refining this project or we're instituting new volunteer management practices. Um, and so I want to sit down and review this with you and get your feedback. Um, I think that creates a nice um, co-creative space 
And for all you know, that volunteer may be like, sweet, because I'm so over this project. <laughs> I've been trying <laughs> or, to figure out how to tell you I'm quitting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like both both people are feeling this like, oh, I don't want to have this uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Um, but getting really clear on both sides, you know, of like, this is, these are the expectations or this is what I can bring to it. And, and, and you know, likewise, maybe that volunteer um in in that conversation, the volunteer and the manager notice like, oh, actually, this volunteer would be great at this whole other thing. Um, so you might be able to really redirect, still maintain that person as as a volunteer and an asset to your organization, but it, perhaps in a different capacity. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Never know how those yeah. those um, conversations are going to play out. Um, I like the, I like the idea of like the positive redirection because when, because I mean, you think about what a volunteer may be wanting from your organization is they want to know that you're growing. They want to know that you're right. serving more people and, and it's, it would be a really good positive conversation to be able to say like, we've, you've been doing fantastic work for us and, and we're kind of outgrowing you and need mm-hmm. to, you know, and, and coming up with that, I think the job description is a fantastic idea. What, what yeah. made me think was the, you know, sort of the difference between a volunteer and an employee, right? Is that an employee's mm-hmm. mostly an economic transaction, right? They're, right? they're coming in, you're giving them money and they're doing something. And if you don't like it, you stop giving them money. And they, <laughs> But a volunteer, you don't have that extra lever. It's more of a social transaction. So right. the, they need to have different, um, they're being paid in knowing that they've been, they're doing a good job or knowing that they're mm-hmm. helping out or they're serving the mission in some way. Right. Right. And at the end of the day for, for a volunteer, um, I guess, you know, I'll make the broad statement to say for any of us working in the nonprofit sector, we certainly don't tend to to choose the sector because of the money. Right. Um, so it really is a mission focus. And as as leaders, regardless of, you know, our formal position within the organization, we're all leading in some way and we are stewards of the mission and the work. And so, you know, I think regardless of if we're getting paid for the work, of course, that's important. If you have paid staff, please continue to pay your staff. Um, But there is this, like, there's this engagement piece that's, that is beyond, I think at times the day to day, people are attracted to your organization and want to work for you, either Mm -hmm. paid or volunteer because of the work you're trying to do in the community. And I think that's a great piece to pull things back to if you're having a hard time with a volunteer, like recentering, this is what our organization's about. And again, I don't know the specifics for this organization, but, um, you know, I, I would guess that this volunteer you know, they want to know that their work is making a difference. Um, I don't think anyone volunteers just be like, the, you know, they, there's a care factor to it. Yeah. You don't volunteer because like, well, I guess I don't have anything else to do. I'll volunteer. <laughs> Some sort of like enforced community service yeah. for the or something. Especially <laughs> when it's a skills-based volunteer. Right. Like there's a big difference there between someone who, you know, I can certainly show up and use some skill to to do like food distribution at a food bank. But when you're talking about using a high level refined skill of graphic design, for an example, um, people want to make sure that their talent is being, is being used and is helpful. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of finding skills based volunteers, there are a lot of great websites that are kind of, you know, um, 
nationwide. And with, as I referenced earlier, envyvolunteerconnect.org, that is a nice little plug for, for us. Because mm-hmm. um, you can go on there and we do a lot to make sure that this isn't one extra thing that you have to manage as a nonprofit. Um, because we know you're on like a million different websites and putting all your volunteer opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. But with Envy Volunteer Connect, you can go on and there's like a quick little form that you fill in. And if you want to update something on your page, something like here are skills-based volunteer opportunities, you can put that on there. And so, um, and again, we do a lot of the, the back end work to say, okay, well, this is connecting with this type of cause or some, you know, things like that. Um, so it's really just about promoting the opportunities that you have for your organization. And if those are one-time opportunities or ongoing, um, ongoing and also skills-based, you can showcase all of those um, on your profile through Envy Volunteer Connect. That's great. And yeah, we'll put yeah. The, the link in the show notes so you don't have to crash your car trying to write it down. Perfect. So you can just look it up <laughs> on the show notes afterwards and we'll have a link. It'll take you right there. Well, Stacy, thank you so much. This was fantastic. We really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate being here. So I was reflecting on some of the past podcasts we've done, and we have had at times people reach out to us and say, I totally disagree with what you guys said, or, you know, I, I have a totally different perspective or you're just flat out wrong. So here, I know, is that crazy? How could we ever be wrong? Anyway, so if you're listening and you're ever listening to us and you're like, geez, like, I really wish they would have talked about this or cover this perspective. Let us know because we'll sometimes go back and visit, revisit a topic or we might bring you in and say, hey, we had someone who really challenged us and they are so right. So that this is your invitation to critique us, to uh, add to this, because that's what makes us a robust podcast. So thank you as always for listening, for for joining us. And uh, yeah, we want we want to hear from you. So keep those questions coming and We'll look forward to being with you in a couple of weeks.